All right, so we're in the uh, book of Romans, Grace and Peace to You, um, lesson 56, and our lesson is in Romans chapter 8, verses 26, actually through 28, and um, I'm going to read that, then we'll uh, give some little opening comments. My lesson's titled, The Holy Spirit, Prayer, and the Will of God, and... It's not three different things, it's one thing that all works together. And we'll see that as we look in these passages. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, Paul says, Likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought or as is necessary, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts and knows and Surger's Hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. So, we spent three weeks talking about verse 26, yeah, and um, two of those lessons just talking about the purpose of prayer in the Spirit, as how we... Uh, we draw from um, the wisdom that God has for us. It's one of those ways we can meditate in the Word. Uh, you can pray with your understanding. God will speak to us. Because God wants us to understand how to pray effectively. And that's what we were talking about. The, the very opening of that verse 26, as we've been saying, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And that weakness is we don't know how to pray perfectly. We, we just don't. And we think we know what the situation is, but God knows so much more. And so what he does is he guides us in our praying. He doesn't take over for us, as we've been talking about all through those last three lessons. He doesn't take over for us. It's not us just throwing it off on the Holy Spirit and saying, well, I'm just going to pray in the Spirit or whatever, or just let the Holy Spirit pray for me. It doesn't work that way. It's God wants to give us the words so that we can speak them. It's important for us to speak those things into this earth. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go through the lesson tonight. God is, wants us to declare his things into this earth. He wants us to be involved in bringing that forth. Why? Because then he receives the glory. As, as we pray and he responds, he receives glory. He was going to do it? Yes. Do you have to pray for everything that God's going to do? No, thank God, no. Um, but he does want us to pray, and he wants us to ask for things. And Paul very clearly talks about here, as we're talking in this Romans chapter 8, the life in the Spirit, part of that is about prayer. And he spends here three verses, really, two, and, and then the third, talking about the, the responsibility of prayer. God wants us to pray. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's told that prayerlessness is sin. It's as the sin of adultery. Why? Because you're not trusting in God. You're trusting in something else. And so prayer is a humbling experience. It's us yielding ourselves and saying, God, I can't do this. I can't fix this situation. I need you. And we allow God to do those things. 
And yes, there's many places where God tells us in his word what to do, what to say, and we can speak those things. But specific, precise will and wisdom of God only comes through prayer and the help of the Holy Spirit. And as I've been saying in the last three lessons, he prays for us every time we pray. Whether, whether you're praying in your understanding or praying in the Spirit, every time you pray, he's helping. The question is, are you listening so that you can say his words? Are you just praying some rote prayer that you've memorized or whatever, and, and you're not listening to the Spirit directing you to say what he wants you to say? That's, that's where the important part comes in. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is helping us do. And I hope I've made that clear to you in verse 26, and then as we look into verse 27, because this is how the Spirit helps. This is God getting involved in our life and helping to bring about God's purpose through our praying, all right? So, as we've looked at this, prayer and the will of God uh, go hand in hand. Now, what happens is as you look at verse 28, it begins with the word and. You see that? Well, verse 27 and 28, but verse 28 begins with the word and, which means what? It's connected to what was just said. It's connected to what has been the subject. And verse 27 begins with the word and, which means it's connected to what has just been said. And so don't ignore these things. These aren't, these aren't words added by the translators. They're in the Greek language because God wants us to see that these things are tied together. So the Holy Spirit helping us in prayer is tied together with us being able to live according to the will of God. And living according to the will of God is tied together with all things working together for our good. That's, that's how the three verses balance themselves out. So what we do is, again, it's just our human nature because the Bible writes in little verses, we read in little verses, and we stop in little verses. And we read one verse, and that's like, okay, that's my answer. It's not the answer. These three verses go together, and you really can't separate all of this because the word likewise at the beginning of verse 26 takes you all the way back to things that have been said earlier in chapter 8. So, God's word is connected. And what we have to do is, is learn to read understandingly, that, that we can see the connection and how God weaves all these things together for his purpose. You say, that sounds like the Christian life is complicated. No, it's not. But if you want to be successful and you want to be participating in God's purpose and plan for your life instead of just riding along, then, yeah, it gets a little complicated. You have to pay attention. Can you go to heaven without ever knowing any of these things? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad God gave them to us. As I've been saying, the early Christians, they didn't have any idea of this. Paul wrote this to the Romans. It was years before these letters were distributed to other places throughout the, uh, the Roman Christian Empire. And so many people didn't know these things even existed, but they found them out. But did that mean the Holy Spirit wasn't working? No, he was. He was working through their prayers. But knowing these things helps us. Knowing them helps us become more bold and more secure and more stable 
in what God has called us to do and to be. So, we're going to discover through these verses that God has a way of bringing together these things in order to accomplish his purpose. All right, so I wrote some things down there about the middle of the page. Verse 28, of course, is one of the favorite verses of almost every believer that I know. God works all things together for good. But I want to tell you, things don't work themselves together. All things work together. Yeah, if God's involved, but if he's not, all things don't work together for good. Some things work apart. <laughs> and so the one thing that we need to realize is that God is going to do this. So I ask four questions here. Who is the one that has the power to cause these things to work together? God. All right. And how is God working them together? By helping us pray according to his will. That follows verse 28 and follows verse 27. And why is God doing this? Because we love him and we are called according to his purpose. And what is the ultimate goal of God working all these things together? Well, that takes us all the way to the end of Romans chapter 8, which is what? Nothing can defeat us. Nothing can separate us. We are victorious. Why? Because we've applied ourselves to these principles. As we've drawn upon the hope of these principles. Do you know Christians who live defeatedly? Are they defeated? No. No. But they just don't know that they aren't. They're not separated from God, but they feel like they are. They aren't being judged by the world, but they feel like they are. They don't know that they don't have to submit to these things. And we'll see more of that as we get down further into chapter 8. Okay, so... A bit of review, but go down to the bottom of your page. The Holy Spirit helps our weakness. We've been saying this. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness in prayer. We don't know how to pray as is necessary. That's our weakness. Verse 26, part C, or the end of verse 26, says, The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So his, his prayer for us is so that we know how to pray. That's his prayer. And so he prays for us so that we know how to pray. The Holy Spirit assists us in, I use this word, framing our prayers. So that our, our words are what God wants to, us to say. Well, doesn't God know? Yes, but he wants you to say them. God wants you to say them. And so God wants us to say things. He wants us to declare things that are according to his will. And yet people back up from this and they go off, you know, way off on a tangent of the sovereignty of God. Well, God's going to work all these things together and God's going to make it all right because God is sovereign. And so whatever is happening must be what God wants. No, it's not. There's a lot of stuff going on that is not the will of God. And just to write on that and say, well, you know, whatever comes. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but yeah. God wants us to pray. 
He wants us to declare things into this world. Look at the bottom of your page there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus, in his lesson on prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say in heaven as it is on earth. Thank God. Right? So what he wants is we, in our prayer, we want to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is, or in the Greek language, as it already is in heaven. So what needs to be done down here is what is already done in heaven. And that's how we need to understand. Then we go to Matthew chapter 16, and Jesus kind of enlarges on this thought. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, now I added some Greek understanding to this, all right? We just say, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But that's not the way the Greek says it. The Greek language says this, whatever you bind on earth shall be, one verb, shall be, separate verb. Whatever you bind on earth shall be. You can put a period there. What follows is God just explaining it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be. Why? Because it's already been bound in heaven. Having already been bound in heaven. So what I bind here can only be what God has already bound in heaven. I can't bind things down here that God is not bound in heaven. Now, people get all caught up into the binding and the loosing thing, but the, the problem with that is bind in the New Testament is used in both positive and negative ways. And loose in the New Testament is used in both positive and negative ways. So, what am I doing? Am I supposed to bind it? Am I supposed to loose it? Is that... No, that's just, that's just God's explanation of what you're doing. Whatever you bind shall be. Binding can be pulling things together, causing things to be knit together. That's all caught up in the word bind. Uh, to make things right, to make things whole. Can't you pray for things to be made whole? Right? And so that's binding. But binding can also be binding things from, you know, their destructive power, binding things that are coming against you. So it's both positive and negative. Just do what God gives you to do. Say, but I don't know what to do. Well, that's what we're talking about, Romans 8, 26 and 27. He's going to give you the words. Well, I don't know whether to bind this or loose it. And now you've only made it more complicated because binding can be positive and negative and loosing can be positive. And now I'm I'm really lost and I don't know what to do. Pray. Just pray. And listen as God gives you words. And you know what? He'll help you frame your prayer to be what he wants it to be. Second part of that is who are in whatever you loose. Loose can be to destroy. It's the root for the Greek word for destroy, luo. To to it's like think of think of a sweater and you cut one of the parts and the whole sweater unravels, right? So that's the idea behind loose. It's also the idea behind the Greek word for cleanse. To cleanse. Luo. Ever hear of a lavatory? That comes from the luatory, 
right? Which is where you loose the dirt from your hands. So to clean comes from the Greek word loose. But so does to free. Loose can have the idea of free, to cause something to be free. So both positive and negative can be done through this word loosing, to pull it together, to cause it to be set free, to cleanse, to destroy. And so you can use it in all those ways. But notice the phrasing. Whatever you bind on earth shall be. Whatever you loose on earth shall be having already been loosed in heaven. And there is the key. Having already been loosed. What God has determined for us is already set. What we need to do is pray it into this earth. Declare it. Speak it. Release it. All right? Reveal it. And so God is determined. You can add to this Matthew chapter 18, 18, which basically says the same thing as Matthew 16, 19. All right, so Matthew 18, 18 is just kind of a repeat of this. Okay, so next point, top of page two. The Holy Spirit makes intercession. We've talked about that before. And what is this intercession? It's the idea of... of going to meet someone on someone else's behalf. And so the word intercede in Tuncano uh, means to go to someone else on someone else's behalf. I'm asking, I see David out here, I'm asking David to do something for grace. It's not for me. And so the Holy Spirit intercedes. It's not his need. It's whose need? It's your need, right? And so I am asking God for something, and the Holy Spirit is interceding for me to have the words. That's what it says. He's not interceding for my need. He's interceding for my weakness, which is I don't know how to pray. And so the Holy Spirit is helping me pray. And the idea of this is to meet in conference or counsel regarding the need of someone else. And I know this gets, gets it a little bit into mind bending ideas, but this is the three parts of the Godhead having a conference. All right? So think of it that way. And the Spirit is representing you, and the Father and Jesus are there, and they are working together so that we can have our needs. And all of this takes place in a realm where you don't even know. All you're doing is praying. And you're asking God, and you're beseeching the Lord, you're pouring out your heart before God, um, you're claiming what God has made promise of, and behind the scenes, the Holy Spirit is helping your prayer to be perfected so that you can have what you need according to the will of God. Now, interestingly, this word intercession also carries with it the idea of interfering. So to intercede also had the idea of interfering. I'm interfering in someone else's situation. It's not about me. Right? So if someone is in trouble and I go to someone else, 
I've interfered in their issue so that I want someone to listen to me and on behalf of someone else. So I'm interfering. And the idea of interfering uh, with an Interfering with an action or a plot against one being represented. Suppose you knew that someone had plotted to do harm to someone else, but you knew someone who could stop it. Interfering, would you be going to the person who could stop it? Right? Is that making sense? And so I have interfered. It's not my problem. I could just sit back and, and watch it happen. It's not my issue. But I am interfering. So I've, I've inserted myself. You get that idea? I've inserted myself between those things. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He's interceded. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any weakness. But he knows you do. Because you don't even know how to pray effectively for your problem. You know your problem. You know you, what you'd like to see happen. But you don't know how to pray so that it will happen. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes. And so then the statements I've made before, we've seen these in the notes already. As we are praying, he is praying. If we don't pray, he doesn't pray, right? So that's the idea of helps our weakness. He prays when you pray. You don't pray. He doesn't pray. What well, we pray for the need as we know it. But our knowing is limited. You know, when you go to prayer, don't think you know more about the problem than God does. I know, I know sometimes it sounds like we do. It's like, God, I know you don't understand what's going on here. And, you know, you don't know how great a person this person is, and you don't know how much, you know, their family needs them. You don't think God knows that? It doesn't mean that you can't bear your heart. All right? But that's your burden. It's not God's. But what he's waiting for is someone to ask. God is waiting for someone to come. Think of, think of Jesus and how many people came to him to beseech of God. And so they came to him. Couldn't God have just healed people? Couldn't he just done that without Jesus even being involved? But he wanted someone involved. And he wanted people to come to Jesus. And they did. And so as the people came, they received from him. So it is with our situation. God wants us to pray. But how do I know that what I'm praying is according to the will of God? That leads us to verse 27. And as I make there in my statement, this is probably one of the most convoluted sentences in all of Paul's writing. Because it's like, who's talking to who? And you mean God's talking to God about us and the Holy Spirit's asking God for something? And boy, this is a strange verse. And so it is, it is a little hard to follow, but if you just take it as it goes. So here's verse 27. And he, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay. Got it. There we go. Let's just move on. All right. So this, um, 
this idea of, of the Spirit interceding to God is strange in our thinking. We've been talking about it, but it still seems a little foreign because, I mean, the Holy Spirit's talking to the Father about me. Don't they both know the same thing? Don't they? Don't, don't they both know the same thing? I mean, isn't there just one God, you know, in three parts? And so now you get off into all kinds of thinking. Now, if you read this verse in most expanded translations, like you know, the Message Bible, the Living, um, the New Living Bible, the um, the Voice, uh, different ones. I like the Passion version of this, and so this is what I've put down here: an expanded translation, where they have added sometimes added words. Not adding to the scripture, but adding words to help us understand what's being said. Especially to help us understand verbs that get lost in the translation. So, God, the searcher of the heart. Right, the one who knows our hearts. He who searches our hearts. So God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Yet he also understands the desire of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's will. Now, maybe that made it a little clearer. Maybe it didn't. But what I want to do is kind of break down this passage, because it is is God who is searching our hearts. But he also, because God and the Spirit are one. He also knows the very mind of the Spirit, which is better thought of as the purposes or intentions of the Spirit. So follow with me. The one who searches the hearts, this must be the Father, from whom all wisdom descends and to whom the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the believer. So the one who searches the hearts is the Father. And he searches our hearts. God knows your heart. And it doesn't just say, don't think here, just spirit. God knows your heart, which is the combination of the spirit and the soul. It's it's all your passions, your emotions, your intellect, along with the the new creation that you are in Christ. That's, That's the heart of man. And God searches the hearts. And as he searches the hearts, then... The Holy Spirit comes to pray for us. And he's the one to whom the Holy Spirit intercedes. Now, just to clarify, the Holy Spirit is not the only one who's interceding to the Father. So is Jesus. And so I put two verses down here where we find that Jesus is interceding for us. There's others, but I just put these two. Romans chapter 8. At verse 34, so just a few verses after where we are. Romans 8, 34 says, Who is to condemn or to judge? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In other words, who can condemn you 
when the very one who died for you and rose from the dead is at the right hand of the Father. So who's going to go to listen to? Who has, who has access to condemn you if the very one who died for you is there before the Father? All right, and this is what it, we're saying here. So Romans 8.34, my explanation, our victory against judgment and defeat. So Jesus intercedes against the, the feeling of judgment and defeat. He intercedes for our victory over judgment. You ever been condemned by people? Judged by people? Told that you're not going to be able, that you're a failure, that you, there's no hope for you, that there's nothing good out ahead for you, or whatever... Whatever mistake you made, you are, pardon the phrase, damned to live with it. And there's people who will gladly, with smiles on their face, help you understand that. But you know what? They can't condemn me. Because the very one who died for me, when I was a sinner, when I was an alien to God, when I was outside of God's very purpose and plan for my life, bound to hell, the one who died for me in that situation now sits before the Father. And he holds my life. And he's not going to listen to anybody that tries to condemn me. If they come up with condemnation, he says, yeah, I died for that. Well, what about, yeah, I died for that. Yeah, well, do you know what? Yeah, I died for that. He's the one who's there before the Father, and he's always interceding for us. He's the one who brings us into this, pos into this position. And he is, I love this phrase, I, I add it down here. He is ever interceding with the voice of the accuser, ever interfering with the voice of the accuser and Satan. The accuser comes and Jesus interferes. Again, pardon the phrase. Okay, it's shut up. I know, I know God wouldn't say shut up to the devil. Well, he kind of does, but yeah. Satan is the accuser. The one who wants to bring judgment. That's, that's, that's his job. And as Brother Hagin used to say, he's, he's good at it. And so, you know, he, he likes what he does. And he'll accuse even though he knows that you didn't do what he's accusing you of even though he knows that Jesus already forgave you for that. It just, it, but I, if I can make you feel accused and condemned, then good for me. And so that's his attitude. But Jesus does what? He interferes. He's ever interfering. Now, I can make a football reference here, but Super Bowl's coming up this weekend. But, you know, it's interfering is, you know, it's like, well, interfering is a bad thing when you're, it, it, when you threw the ball. But it's a good thing for the other team. So, thank God we've got Jesus to interfere. Then there's Hebrews 7.25, which says, Consequently, he, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, this, this passage, Hebrews 7, is in reference to the priesthood. All those priests died. That's why they had to have one priest after another. 
because the priest couldn't live forever. And so the priest died, and so then he had another priest. And then that one died, and he had to have another one. And they could not ever live to intercede for you because they were limited. <laughs> Jesus is superior to all the earthly priests, superior to Aaron and all of his family, and all of those who've come down even to the time that Paul was writing the book of Hebrews. He's superior to all of these priests. Why? Because he lives forever. And because he lives forever, he is always able to make intercession. Always able to make intercession. He's always able to interfere with the self-destructive tendencies that we have. Come on. We, we all have our own self-destructive tendencies. It was up to me. My salvation would last, well, not at all. It's, it would be over before I knew it. Yet there's plenty of people who want you to think, nope, your salvation is in your hands. Thank God it's not. Amen. It's not in the hands of some earthly priest either. It's in the hands of one who lives forever. And not only does he live forever, but he also intercedes forever. He's always interceding. He ever lives to make intercession or to interfere with things that try to destroy me, with the things that come against me. Notice the early part of that. He is able to save to the uttermost. Now, I know that's not a word that we use a lot in our daily language. I, I challenge you to use the word uttermost in conversation with someone tomorrow. You have to really, you have to really search to use it. But it means, here's what the Greek word means, all the way to the end. Jesus, oh, this is better than what you think it is. Jesus is able to save you all the way to the end because he's ever alive to make intercession. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Why? Because he's already saved you all the way to the end. He ever lives to make intercession and he doesn't fail. And he will bring you into God's presence. He who began a good work in you is what? Hopeful. He's hopeful he can make it all the way to the end. He's trying his best. He who began a good work in you is really wanting, hoping to get you there. No. He who began a good work will what? Will bring it all the way to completion. He's able to bring it all the way to completion. He is ever alive, interceding. He's interfering with your own self-destructive tendencies. I can't make a failure of this. Because if I'm not saved eternally, then I'm saved temporally, which means my salvation is as long as my next sin. And then it's gone. I don't have temporal salvation. You can't find that phrase anywhere in the Bible. Instead, it's what? Eternal salvation. All right, so 
Here's the point. The Father searches our hearts. And he listens to the Holy Spirit. He's also listening to Jesus on those areas. But the Holy Spirit's intercession for us is in a different vein than Jesus' intercession for us. The Holy Spirit's intercession for us is how to help us live this life. Now, Jesus is involved in that too, and so is the Father. But for the most part, this is the Holy Spirit's work. Romans chapter 8, this is the Holy Spirit working for us, in us, through us. Ephesians chapter 4, it's the Holy Spirit working through us to help us accomplish the things that God wants us to do, and especially here in these verses in reference to our prayers. He wants our prayers to be effective so that God is able to do through us what he wants. Now, I'm not saying he can't do it if, he does, if you don't pray. Because if you don't pray, Esther, mm-hmm. what? God will find someone else to pray. God's purpose is not going to be thwarted by your laziness. Oh, okay, I don't, you, that's not laziness. You're busy, I know. You're busy. Your busyness. But God's not hindered by us. No one person can be responsible for someone else's success or life. If someone fails, don't blame it on you. They had choices too. Maybe you didn't pray enough or maybe you didn't pray right and you didn't know how to pray. You hadn't listened to these lessons. You didn't know all these things. doesn't matter because God has other people. Amen. That doesn't mean everything's going to work out to the good. That's where we're going. But for those who love God, for the saints, for those who are praying and the Holy Spirit is praying with them, For those who are involved in this, God is going to reveal so that his purpose is accomplished. Our hearts are not able to perfectly present our prayers before him. But God's compassion says, yeah, but I put a helper on the inside of you. And he's going to help you pray right. So, top of your next page. So, the one who searches the hearts... That's the Father, searching whose heart? Everybody say mine, not, not Jeff's. Mine, yeah. Your mine, not just mine. God who searches our individual hearts, right? He knows his purpose. Now, I know it says here, this is really strange, he knows the mind of the Spirit, Okay, that just right really messes me up because I didn't know the Holy Spirit had a mind. Don't think of the mind here as brains. The, the Greek word for mind is better translated as the purpose or the determined end. You ever say you have your mind made up? that you, Your purpose is established. You've put a sunk a peg in right you you set this all down it's the determined end i have a mind to go to the store right maybe we don't use that phrase that much it's old-fashioned um i mind uh i've got a mind to well my dad used to use that word but i won't say what he used to say about it but anyway (laughs) 
Mine has to do with a determined end, a purpose that is there. So, okay, this, stay with me. The Father's searching our hearts, so he knows what's in you, right? And he knows that you have a weakness, but he also knows he gave you the Holy Spirit to help you with your weakness. And so he also knows not just what you desire, but he also knows the Holy Spirit's purpose, the determined end that the Holy Spirit has. And the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to pray so that this end is accomplished. And so he knows what is there. He knows clearly and precisely. That's caught up in the idea of this word, knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows clearly and precisely. He's got direct information. Why? Because the Father and the Spirit agree together. There's no argument Spirit say, well, I think you ought to do this. And God say, no, nah, I don't think so. What, what, what do you give me if I do? You know, what's, what's in it for me? Now, there's no, there's no disagreement. The Father and the Spirit have the same mind. That's how it says he knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit's mind or purpose determined in for you is exactly what? The same as the Father's and the Son's. And so he knows the mind of the Spirit. Why does he know what's there? Because what this is talking about is the situation, the trial, the pressure, the difficulty that you're going through. What you're praying about, the Holy Spirit is offering help to you, and he's also in communion with the Father, interceding with the Father so that all of this is brought together, so that God's purpose your desire and the help of the Holy Spirit combine to bring about the purpose and the will of God. You say, that's pretty complicated. Yeah, but it just happens in an instant. It's just God. This is God living in us, helping us, so that we can have confidence. Thank God my confidence in prayer is not based on my ability to pray properly. Because I can't. There was a time when I didn't know any of these things. But God answered prayer. Well, how did that happen? By luck, yeah, I guess. No. It didn't happen by luck. God was helping me. God took those, those prayers. In fact, I was talking to someone, maybe I said they didn't hear the other day, but, but a new believer, you know, to listen to a new believer pray, you know, like the first times that they offer prayer, it's like their prayers don't have any of the Christianese and they don't fall back on all those little phrases that we know. It's like, it's like, and they might even say some words like, you can't say that to God. <laughs> but they don't know they can't say that to God. So they just do. Yeah, raw. Who said that? Go ahead. You said raw? Yeah, it's, it's raw. It can, be, it can be raw. Pastor Bob and I both have stories of people coming down with, you know, some really strange prayer requests. <laughs> and, and, um, but you know what? God knows the heart. And God helped your stumbling prayers. And now he helps your educated prayers. Now we're PhDs in prayer, right? But, um, you know, we still need God's help because I, I haven't got it figured out. I haven't got it figured out.
I know people that are in incredible, dire need right now. I don't have answers for them. But I can pray. And I can believe that as I pray, the Holy Spirit's praying for me. And he's going to help me have words. Because he's meeting with the Father and putting all these things together and all of this so that in, what ends up coming out of my mouth is what God wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And when he hears it, it's released. So, this is his purpose. And then notice the next phrase. He knows the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. All right, so those three things. This intercession, again, is made by the Spirit on behalf of the saints, the saints, and solely for their benefit. He's not praying for himself. He's not praying for someone else. He's praying for you. When you pray, he's praying for you. When we all pray together, guess what? He's individually praying for each one of us. That's incredible. That's, that's just incredible. We have a prayer meeting of, you know, a stadium full of people, hundred and some thousand people. Maybe we could have, and everybody's praying. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's helping each one of them pray individually what he wants them to pray. I just love that. That's a God that is awesome, <laughs> overwhelming in his compassion and in his love and his desire. And he prays for who? For the saints. Now notice it's the saints, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this. He helps our weakness. It's, this is for the saints. The saints are the who? He intercedes for the saints. This doesn't mean that God won't help an unbeliever pray. Because at one time, you were an unbeliever, and you prayed. I know sometimes we say, well, God doesn't hear the prayers of unbelievers. Well, yeah, he does. It's just that he's not tied to any guarantee and uh, the greatest prayer that an unbeliever can pray is what help me save me save me the father hears that but he, he this is all in perspective to the saints now i want to keep that word saints in mind because we're going to go down in the next into verse 28 and we're going to talk about the people that love god and the people that are called according to his purpose they're all the same. The saints, the people that love God, and those that are called according to his purpose. All right, so he's helping us. And he prays for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God. I don't always. I know general will of God. But I don't know specific will of God. I don't know how God is going to use this situation, how he's going to deal with this, how he's going to reach this person, how he's going to turn this whole thing around. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do that. God calls us to do things, you know, that, you know, it's like I go blindly into this. I remember me going to Peru and I I was thinking, wow, this is going to be great. You know, we get down there, this boat, you know, on the Amazon River and it's going to be incredible. And I got down there. And then I was overwhelmed with the number of people. We pulled up in this one little bank, and there was maybe, you know, 30, 40 people around the edge of the river where the boat was putting in dock. 
And then as we began, the, the praise team that was there from a church on further down on the Amazon River, they began to play, and and it was like, it was like ants coming out of the ground. I mean, I never saw anything like it. I mean, the people just began to melt, in a sense, out of the jungle. And I, before 30, 30 minutes, there was three, maybe 4,000 people just packed on this bank. And I don't speak a word of Spanish, and definitely not Indian dialect. How am I going to help these people? What am I going to do? Dominic got up and preached for 20 minutes, and almost all of them raised their hands for salvation. He made it very clear what, what the salvation call was. And it was for people who'd never heard. There had never been a church in this location. There'd never been, as far as they knew, any missionaries had ever come to this one little village. But they all opened their hearts to receive. And then, then he said, okay, all my team is scattered throughout the crowd. We had all left the boat to stand in the group of crowd. And he said, they're going to start praying for you. And God is going to do a miracle for you. If you need healing, raise your hand. If you need this, raise your hand. And it's like, I can't do this. I got nothing. I don't have an interpreter. I don't have anybody. What? How am I going to do this? And I just had to draw upon the help of the Holy Spirit. Overwhelmed, I just prayed what I could pray. And the name of Jesus is more powerful than any name on this earth. And um, I, okay. I got to quit that. I, I can't. <clears throat> I can't I can't talk about that anymore. Okay, so overwhelming. But you know God is at work. God is at work. And I you don't have to know everything. Trust the Holy Spirit to give you words. I was saying things in in English, not in Spanish. <laughs> I'd pray in the Spirit, and then God would give me words, and I would just pray words over these people. I didn't even know sometimes their sickness. I didn't know what their problem was. They couldn't tell me. But God was meeting their needs. And that's just, that's, that's just God at work. This is how he works all things together for his good. As I was willing to pray, God was working. Look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, and we know. What's those three words? And we know. We what? We know. We know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, what I hope to help you see out of this verse tonight is not something, you know, brand new and startling or any great revelation, but I do want to talk about this issue, and it is things don't work together for good. Things don't work together for good. That's 
the way the world would like us to think, and if we read this wrong, that's the way we get it. And so we'll end up saying all things work together for good. And that's really not what it's saying. Because the issue is, how are they working together? Because of God. So when I read this, more from a literal translation, it is God who does this work. You know, we have phrases, I put them in there, it's like, it will all work out. Will it? You know, we say that, it's like, well, it will all work out. But it doesn't always work out, does it? Or, here it is. This is one of my favorites. It is what it is. I, I, really, I really hate that phrase. It is. No, it is not what it is. And whatever it is, it can change. That's what I believe. Or, well, you take the bad with the good. How many of you hear that? Yes. And un- unfortunately... There's a lot of Christian preachers that that becomes part of their sermon. You got to take the bad with the good. Or then this one, this this will cast us back for all of us who from back in the 40s, 50s. Whatever will be, will be. Right? So for all you young people, I'm sorry, Rachel, this is it's a song you probably never heard and you never need to. Okay. But um, the idea is, it's like, well, you know, whatever will be. And she sung it so happily, you know, and the, the, who was that that sang that? Doris? Is it Doris Day? All right. So, yeah. And I don't want whatever will be, will be. Well, they're all going to hell. Whatever will be, will be. You know, it's like... Or if we want to get into a little, little Eastern religion, it's karma. Well, you're so good, you get good. You're so bad, you get bad. Just make sure that you're so more good than you're so bad. Okay, that doesn't work. Or we'll just go back to fate. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just fate. It's just what happens. You know, it's just, sorry, you know. Some people... You know, die early. Other people don't. You know, that's just fate. No, it's not. Because we serve a God who creates, who changes, who redeems, who rescues, who helps. Our God can create things out of nothing. Or as he said to Abraham, is anything too difficult for the Almighty? Tell me. Go here. Here's, Here's a paper. Just begin listing things that are too difficult for me. Go ahead. Try it. Try me. I don't think it quite went that way, but anyway. So here's, here's my statements. Point number one, and we know. And we know. That's the way it starts, okay? And we know. Why, why is that so important? Because what this is saying is this, this is sure confidence. And we know. I have this confidence. You could say it that way. Or this is a certainty, we can have sure confidence. This is not assumptions. It's not wishing. 
it's not fanciful ignorance. Well, you know, I'm just, what I got, blissful ignorance. I guess that's the word I was looking for. You know, no, we know. We know that if we do these things, we know that if we're praying and if the Holy Spirit is helping us and we're praying according to his will, which he promised we would be, then we know that things are going to work to the good. But there's a phrase that's in between there too. Our prayers have been assisted by the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Come on. He's, he knows the heart, the very mind of God. He knows your heart. He knows your weakness. And he is helping your prayers to become effective so that you can find the will of God. Amen. Point number two. And we know for those who love God, for those called according to his purpose. I, I pulled those phrases from other parts of the verse to put them in this order because that's the way it would occur in the Greek language. For we know, for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose, which we'll talk more about in our lesson next week, those who love God and those called according to purpose are the saints. Saints are to love God and the saints are to be called according to his purpose. They are, and we'll talk more about that. The the following verses talk about those who are justified. So the saints, those who love God, those who called according to his purpose are the justified, which we would call the saved. And this promise is for all of them. Now, it doesn't mean that all of them are doing this, but they're all called to this. And if you are praying, then God is going to get involved. And that's Point three down the bottom of your page. He is working. And we know for those who love God, for those called according to purpose, he is working. The Greek verb is present tense. He is working. It's not just he worked. He is working. It is God who is weaving all these things together. It is God who is bringing this to pass. It's not just happening it's not all things working together it's god working all things together and it doesn't say he just god causes all things to work together no he doesn't cause all things he works them together and the greek word for working together is our word synthesize all right uh, to or synergize Right? To, so to synergize, to, to take things that are not necessarily the same and put them together to make something work. Synergy. So that you take all these different parts and put them together and you got an airplane. If they're put together right. Now, if I put them together, don't fly my plane. All right? But if God puts it together, right, so, so it is God who is synergizing all these things. What things? All the things that trouble you, all those things that you're praying about, all those things that you don't have the full understanding of how exactly to pray. God is taking all of that. He's taking your weakness, and by the help of the Holy Spirit, and through the meeting with the, the intercession of the Spirit with the Father, and the will of God being accomplished, all of this is blending together so that he's going to work things together for your 
good, which is at the top of the next page. Now, I got a little Greeky down there at the bottom. Don't worry about that. But uh, the, the Greek verbs panta synerge uh, means all things are working together. It's, but God is the one who's doing them. And so he takes this and that and puts them together. And then the last praise, phrase is for good. Unto good. And unto good is the Greek phrase that comes from the word agathos, which is intrinsic good. It's the word that's used for divine good. It's not necessarily good in appearance. It's not necessarily beautiful, kalos. It's not always what we think would be externally acceptable. Because God is going to take things that you didn't think you wanted. And suddenly, it's what you want. He's working all things together for good. He's going to put all these things together Unto good is actually the Greek phrase, not for good, but unto good. So that what, what is being put together is going to extend into good. It's going to accomplish good. It's going to do what is good. And this is the idea of, of God taking the things that are opposed to us. Paul started this section back in verse 17 talking about the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Well, the sufferings of this world are real. Anybody with me? Yes. Yeah, the sufferings. But what? But through prayer, he's going to help me bring all these things that are suffering and difficult and tragic and overwhelming, he's going to help me bring all those things together because he's going to work it out through my prayer. My prayer is intricately involved in all of this. You cannot separate verses 26 and 27 from 28. So the praying is, is intrinsically involved. It is right in the midst of this because that's how God is accomplishing this. He could do it without you, yes. But then he's the only one who knows that he did it. But when you prayed, how many have ever rejoiced over an answered prayer? Okay, here's one. Here's, all right, I want you to be honest. How many have ever been surprised by an answered prayer? Come on. Oh, God. I didn't, I didn't think he could do that. <laughs> I mean, I asked, but I, I didn't think God would ever happen. But it happened. And so God takes those things that are overwhelming. How many of you ever faced a prayer that you were so overwhelmed that you didn't really even know how to express it? And yet, somehow, God worked it. And now, there's good. The situation wasn't good. The problems weren't good. The the tragedies, the trauma, the suffering, that wasn't good, but it's the outcome. It's what happened from it. Joseph didn't glorify his time in prison. He didn't glorify all the suffering he'd been through for all those years that he'd been, but he did say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God worked all this thing 
to unto good. So next week we'll come back and talk about what follows after this. Now that we're talking about those who are called according to his purpose. Who are these people and how great is our confidence in him? So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight.